Okay, so today's learning should be for Lezechanishmas Gilu Bashloima, Lebasafrayim, Yitzchak ben Chaim Alevi, Yaakov ben Shragafaival Alevi, Sarle Bashmul Tzvi, Yochan ben Pesach, Dvariach, Basri Rishur, and Rabban ben Rabbaruch, and Shemash Avaliyah, and Afu Shalemi, Yehudis Bas Miriam, and Rabban Liel ben Michlaita. Okay, so we're up to the, the last line on Nud Zayin Amid Beis, just to tell you what's going to happen. This first Amid of Nun Ches, the very large Amid, is the end of the Avelos Tishabov Gemaras. Uh, we're going to go through it fairly quickly. And then the bottom, and uh, Nun Ches Amid Beis, is all about uh, back to back to Gittin. So just to run through it. The Gemara, these are, you know, no way to cut it. These are pretty uh, heavy, kind of sad Gemaras. That's a reality. So let's start the Gemara. Forty saw, which is a large amount, it's the size of a mikveh. Of tefillin cases were found on the people that were killed by Beitar. If you took all the tefillin from the people of Beitar, it filled an entire mikveh, which is a tremendous amount. He says, not one mikveh, it was really three mikvehs with. And he says, 40 boxes of tefillin, each one carrying three saw, so it's 40 mikvos. So it's different opinions as to the amount of tefillin you could find on those that were killed in Beitar. The Gemara says the first two opinions is one was one one size of a mikvah and one was three sizes of a mikvah. So it says, Those are not necessarily arguing with each other because it's possible that one is talking about tefillin shal roish and one is talking about tefillin shal yad. Apparently, at least in the times of the Gemara, um, the tefillin of the tefillin shal roish were bigger than the tefillin shal yad. I guess because you had to take all the four boxes and swoosh them together, they didn't have machines. So their tefillin shal rush were bigger. So when the Braisa, one Braisa says that if you took all the tefillin of those that were killed by Beitar, it would be three mikvos, that was talking about tefillin shal rosh, and the one who says um, one mikvah, that was tefillin shal yad. Again, perhaps, that, that's the Gemara argues. Yeah? Mike, are you good? All right. So, the Gemara continues like this. The Gemara says... Amr of Ami. Again, we're going to go through these Gemaras fairly quickly because um, they're just they're sad and heavy. Um, <clears throat> okay. The Gemara says, Amr of Asi. Arbo kavin moyach nimtsu aleven achas. Four cobs, which is a large amount of, of brain matter, were found on one stone. That's how, that's the devastation of Beitar. Uh, this is actually, no, this is the devastation according to Rashi, the first base Hamikdash. Ula Amar, Tisha kavin, nine cobs. Amr of Abba, Kahana, Vitema, Shila, Bar'amari. What's the Pasuk that alludes to this destruction? The Pasuk says, Bas Babel Hashduda, Ashishi, Shalm Loch, Ashishi, Yoichet, Venivit, Alayach, Alasela. A lot of people don't realize this. This is in the end of the Pasuk, Ba'al Naris Babel, that talks about how we left, uh, Babel took us out and destroyed the first base. And Mikdash Javan says the following Pasuk. A lot of people don't realize this because they think that Jews have to be meek. But the Pasuk says, (laughs) Praiseworthy, we can't wait for the day when we'll take their enemies' babies and destroy them on the rock. That's what the Dabanamel says. So which indicates that that's what we went through. So that's the Pasuk that alludes to such a matziv. The Pasuk says, this is regarding the second piece, The children of uh, Tzioin, who are special, Hamisulaim with Paz. Paz was a type of stone. Paz was like a gem. So it sounds like we were covered in gems. Maimisulaim be Paz. What does it mean that we were covered in gems? Pisa simply means that before the Chorban, that the Jewish people were wealthy and they would wear gems. But wait a minute. Va'amri Debeir of Shila, Debeir of Shila says, Tarati Miskali Istra Pisa Nochus Ba'alma. This paz was so rare, there's no way you could describe people as being covered with a paz stone. It's not possible, because only a certain amount of weight of paz is found in the world. One, one half of it is found in Rome, half of it is found scattered throughout the world, meaning this is a very rare gem, and they did not have it in, in Eretz Yisrael. So what does it mean that the Jews were covered in paz? It means 
that the Jewish people, their innocence and their beauty made Paz look dull. Meaning they were be- more beautiful than Paz. Disgusting people of Rome. That the, when the Roman men and women would have relations, the men would like to look at something beautiful. So originally they would look at their rings with their stones. But after the destruction of the Besam and they had Jewish slaves. They would take young Jewish boys and tie them to the bed and look at them. It's a, a society they were dealing with. So one Jewish boy who was subjugated to this, subjected to this, said to his friend, Hi Hechiksiva, where is a Pasik that alludes to such Khurban? So Amarle, the Pasik says in Devarim during the Taicha, Gam Kol Khali Vikomakesh Every disease and every disgusting thing that's not written in the Taira is included in this Taicha. And this Taicha includes more than that's written. So meaning so therefore, while there's no source in the Pasak, it's it's alluded to that it's gonna be included in the Taicha. So Amar, the first one who asked who, who asked where the source is, says, where is that Pasuk? Meaning he said, I'm up to Perak Vav, where is that Pasuk? Like he was up to a certain Perak, he says, where is that Pasuk? So Amrle, in good put the Palga, it's a column and a half from where you're up to. So Amrle, if I had gotten there, I wouldn't have needed you. It's an interesting back and forth, it shows you, that, I don't know, to me, you see that even... In such a matzah, first of all, you see that they very much cared about their Torah learning, but it also shows you a little bit of, not arrogance, but like, he said, had I gotten there, I wouldn't need your help. I guess pride, in a good way, I guess pride, even though there was a slave, there was still a level of pride. What does it mean, the Pasuk? My eyes cry over the daughters of, uh, of my city. What is this referring to? There were 400 shuls in Beitar. And each one had 400 teachers in each yeshiva. Each teacher had 400 students. And when the, the enemy entered, the Romans entered Beitar, the students tried to like take their pencils and like kill them with their pencils. But obviously when the you know that's not gonna work, they're kids. When the Romans killed them, they were burnt in their svarim. So that was a part of the tragedy of Beta. So Rishu Ben Hanania went to a city in Rome. Amrulay they said you should know there's a Jewish boy that's imprisoned. He has beautiful eyes. He has payas. He's a good-looking kid. So Rishubachanani goes to visit this kid person, this young man. So he said the Pasuk when he saw him. Who gave over Yaakov to be plundered. Meaning he mentioned this Pasuk. There's a Pasuk in Yeshai. That young boy finished the Pasuk. That's how learned he was. He said the rest of the Pasuk, He finishes the Pasuk that what did Klal Yisrael do to be destroyed is because they didn't, they did Averis and they didn't follow in the ways of Hashem. He finished the Pasuk. So Yeshua Bechanani was very impressed by this. I'm confident that you will uh, that you will be a Pasuk for Klal Yisrael. Because to have such uh, Torah knowledge at such a young age and such a tough matziv, havoidishin is as mikam. If Shuvachanani says, "I swear, I'm going to redeem you. I'm, I'll spend whatever money it is to get you out of prison." He did that. And he became a very big This young man, and he became Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha. Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha. They were different, by the way. There was a different Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha's. There was a Kain Gadol, Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha, who obviously this was not. This was a descendant of that Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha. The next Gemara also talks about Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha's children, but seemingly not the same Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha. I'm Rabbi Yudem Rav. This is a very famous story. Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha, seemingly the Kain Gadol, when the destruction happened, the Beis she he had his two sons, two children. He had a son and a daughter, and they were both captured. It turned out that the captors met up once. 
they didn't know that the, their 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 captives were siblings. So one of them said, "I have a beautiful Jewish boy slave." He says, "I have a Jewish, uh, I have a beautiful slave woman. I have a beautiful slave man. I have a beautiful slave woman. Let's have them have uh, children. Let them get married. Let them uh, live together and, and have beautiful offspring." So they put this, uh, the children of Yishmael and Elisha together in a room. Now, again, each one doesn't know that the other one is a sibling. They just think that it's a non-Jewish slave. Each one in their own corner of the room. The male said, the boy said, the son said, I'm a, the son of a kind gadol. I'm going to marry a non-Jewish woman. The Zayimra and the woman and the girl said, "Ani kayanas bes kayhenu kedaylum." I'm the kayhenas, the son of a, a daughter of a kain gadol. I said, "Ever, I'm going to marry a guy." Baruch Kolaylo, they wept the whole night. Kivan shalom b'rashachar. Kiran zezeh. Once the morning came, they recognized that it, they were their siblings. Nafu zezeh v'gob b'chiyat shiatzer shosim. They cried together until they passed away. Ba'alei and Kini Yirmiya. This is what Yirmiya was mekana was eulogizing when he said, "Al'ele ani b'chiyat ani ani yordamai." Okay, Vaidir. A couple more stories and then we could take a break until Tishabov. The Gemara says, Amri Shlokish. Naisa bi Shachas with Safnes Bas Penil Shma. There's a daughter, there was a woman whose name was Safnes Bas Penil. Safnes called Safn Biafia. She was called Safnes because everyone would stare at her beauty. She's a very beautiful woman. Bas Peniel, Bitishal Kayan Gadol, Shashivas Lefanafanim. Peniel is Peniel is is inward because she was the daughter of the Kayan Gadol who was Mishamish Lefanavilifnim. So this this woman, Shasila Bas Shimi Kolalila, she was attacked all night by her uh, by her captor. Belamachar Helbisha Shiva Halukim Bahitzilamachar. The next day he clothed her in seven robes. This this Bederach Drush. All of these things, but Pashup Shah, he took seven robes and covered her to sell her. This man, a very disgusting, ugly man, said, Show me your beauty, maybe I'll buy her. He said, If you want to buy her, buy her. There's no one like her. He said, Oh, still, I want to see for myself. They removed six robes. Shvia Karasa, but she ripped the seventh road and spashed off and rolled in the dirt. To to it's basically just a story that describes the how far Klal Yisrael had fallen. Amr Lefanu, she said to Hashem, Rabbanu Shalom, Master of the World, Imaleinu lechasta. If you don't have mercy on us, Al Kedusha Shimcha Agibar, Lama lechasta. Why don't you have Rachmanus on your name, which you represent? But Alei Akoyin and Yirmiya, and on this Yirmiya was uh, was Mekana. He had a. Uh, uh, you know, he, he had said the kina bas ami chigri sak v'zbashu beifer al yochid asiloch mispar tamrurim kipisim yav ashaydelenu that you roll in ashes and um, you know you, you mourn Hashem mourns for his only son alecha leinemar elenu kaviyocha olive alecha basher that the pasuk doesn't say that Hashem mourns over us but he mourns over you mourns over us meaning Hashem is mourning over his own. Plight Kaviyochel that the the destruction of Klal Yisrael is Chil Hashem and therefore it's it's sort of like Hashem has to mourn over his his name that's also being Mechal. One last Gemara and then we'll go back to the stories uh, back to the sugis of Gid. Now this is a you know after we've been hearing about the destruction for so much you have to sort of see <coughs> what led to it. This story. Um, it doesn't say which one. I'm assuming it's the second base of Mikdash. <coughs> now, this is a story that led to the Chorban. The Gemara says like this. What does it mean? That the Pasuk says that a man uh, a man and his house is, uh, is oppressed. What is this referring to? Okay. There was a certain young man. He was an apprentice for a carpenter. So he was a, he was a, an apprentice, and he liked his 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 uh, master's wife. Okay, the master, whatever he called his boss's wife. So, pamachas. Now it seems like his wife, the the wife. So you have, uh, you know, Avram is married to Sarah. He's a carpenter, and he has an apprentice named Shimon. Shimon liked Sarah, and I think Sarah liked Shimon. She's a married woman. 
But they did this. One time, the master Avram needed to borrow money. So Amrlai, the apprentice, said to him, If if I if you let me be with your wife, I'll lend you the money, which is already showing you that the the, the decrepit nature of how they fell. But okay, that's he did. Amrlai, okay, he, he, he lent his wife to him for three days. So the next day, so after three days, after three days, he says, where is my wife? Right? I lent you for three days. It's uh, time to return her. So the apprentice said, I, I don't know, she left me. I told her she can go. And I heard that she committed adultery. Meaning, I heard that she wasn't faithful. Now, I mean, I don't, I don't know why that bothers him. He gave his wife over to the apprentice, but apparently, him, her not being faithful with other people bothered her. So, Amrlai, Ma'asa, what should I do? Amrlai, Imata Shemay, let's ask Here's what you should do. You should divorce her. Amrlai, Ksuvasa So the, the master said, I would divorce her, but I can't afford the Ksuva. So, Amrlai, Ani Elvicha, Viten, like Suvasa. I'll lend you the money. So the apprentice is lending him the money so that he could divorce the wife. He divorces the wife. The apprentice then marries her. So it started off that Avram and Sarah were married and had an apprentice. Now the apprentice is married to the woman. And Avram is now, not only does he not have a wife, he actually lent a tremendous amount of money to the apprentice. Time came, the master couldn't pay the apprentice. He said, why don't you become an apprentice for me? Become a servant for me. So Mamish, this apprentice, Mamish flipped this guy's life upside down, partly because of Znus. He says, So it turns out the end of the story was the apprentice and the wife are sitting, drinking. She's an adulterer, he's an adulterer. And they have the original, the original uh, carpenter is now the apprentice, he's now the slave, who I made mashke alayim, and he's serving them drinks. His tears would fall into their cups. Such a, a matziv that you could have a person flip someone's life upside down purely because of averis. That was the moment that the gzardin to destroy the Besamekish happened. And some say no, that the gzardin was not at the end when he was crying, it was when the apprentice lived with the married woman. The, the Eishasish alone, that was enough. Okay, fine. That was the end of the Maisa. Listen. Um, Hashem, it's a rare thing that we get to learn these Gemaras before Tisha B'Av. So you have an opportunity to be Isaac this before the Tainus. Okay, back to the Gemara. Now, just to remind us of what's happening. Um, this is important. We're back to the Sukkah. The Sukkah was called Hasikrikun. Sikrikun was... You had a guy who stole Jewish land. Okay, so he stole land from Avram. Then the guy sold it to to Yitzchak. The question is, is the sale valid? And the answer is no, because the reason why the sale is not valid is because when okay, so you, you buy it from the guy. Okay, so the guy doesn't have any bailus on it. You, you buy it from the guy. Then says the Mishnah, you go to Yitzchak, you go to Avram, the original owner, and say, hey, can you? Can you sell it to me with a Kenyan? Meaning, do a Kenyan, I want to purchase the land from you. I already purchased it from the guy. I'd like to purchase from you. Said the mission, no good. Why? Because the assumption is that when the Jew gave made a Kenyan, he didn't actually want to transfer the land. He was just afraid of angering the guy. So he's like, whatever the guy said, I'll sign off on it. Now, if the Jew made the Kenyan before you, the guy sold it, that's a different story. But if you went to the guy first, bought the land, and we're going to see in the Gemara, the guy would sell the land at a discount because they stole it, so there was no skin off their backs. So the land is worth $1,000. The guy would sell it for $800. You then bought it from $800 from the guy. Then you go to the Jew and you say, hey, I bought the land from the guy. Can you do a Kenyan for me? So the Jew does the Kenyan. It's irrelevant. It's not It's not an acceptable Kenyan. And you have to return the land. Why? Because it's very possible that the Jew is just signing off to make the guy happy. He doesn't actually want to sell the land. The Gemara said a similar concept when you have land that's co-owned by the male, the husband and wife. Let's say you have a, a land that the husband owns, but it's mortgaged to pay off the wife's ksuba. So you go to the husband and sell the land and buy the land from the husband. The husband then, the husband then, um, 
that, that you, so you bought the land for the husband, then you go to the wife and you make a kid and it also doesn't work. Why? Same thing. The wife is just doing it, not because she actually wants to sell the land. She's just doing it because she doesn't want to anger her husband. So that's the Gemara said. So if you buy it from the guy and then you buy it from the Jew, it's not effective because we assume the Jew does not actually want to sell the land. Says the Gemara, That's only true when the Jew says, yeah, you could, uh, you could own it. It was verbal agreement. To, to acquire the land. Avol But if the owner wrote a document, that's enough. Why? What's the reason why we assume that the owner is not enough? Meaning, you bought it from the guy. Then you go to the Jewish guy and you say, hey, I'd like to buy the land from you. If the Jewish guy just said, yeah, make a kinin chazaka. You could do a kinin chazaka. I give you permission. That's not effective. Why? Because we assume his heart's not in it and he's just afraid of the guy. But if he actually writes a shtar, then the Gemara says, says Rav, that's effective. Why? Because he didn't have to write a shtar. The fact that he wrote a shtar indicates that his heart is in into transferring the land. That's Rav's opinion. Shmuel Amar, no. Even a shtar. Maybe he wrote the shtar because he wants to make the Jew happy. Who says that writing the star is a... No, gee, sometimes you write a star to make people happy. That's not indicative that his heart's in, in, into the transfer of ownership. Rather, the only way that it's a good sale, says Shmuel, is if not only... Again, I, I'm the original owner. A guy stole the land from me. The guy then sells it to, to Reuven. Reuven comes to me and says, Hey, I'd like to make a Kenyan from you because I bought it from the Jew, from the guy, but I want it to be good. If I say, make a Kenyan Chazaka, no good. I even write a star according to Shmuel, no good. When is it good? If I write a star and I write that I am per- personally putting a lien on my property, that if that land is ever taken from you, you can come and take land from me, that's a gesture that's unnecessary. So if I write a chrayis, which means that I, the original owner, am saying that if any land, if this land that was stolen from me, that I'm now selling to you, if it's taken away from you, for whatever reason, you can come and take my land from me, like there's a lien on my property to protect you, such a gesture is unnecessary, and that shows that my heart is really in it. So not only do I have to write a shtar, I have to write a shtar, go to the next page. So it's Machlekes, Rav and Shmuel, whether writing a shtar is enough. Rav says yes, and Shmuel says no, you have to actually write echrayis as well. We have a brace of acts of Shmuel that you have to write a chrayis. Because again, I mentioned in the Mishnah, there's two cases. In the Mishnah, there's the case of the Sakrikun, and then there's the case of the husband and wife. They're both the same. You're buying from one owner that's not really the owner, and then you're going to the original owner, and you're asking them to sign off on it. In the case of the Sakrikun, the guy doesn't really have ownership. Then you go to the original owner. Or in the case of the Mishnah, you go to the husband, but he's not the real owner because his land is mortgaged for the wife's ktuba. So says the Mishnah, says the Braisa, if you acquired land from the wife, that works, because the wife has the lien on the property. So if she signs off on it, then that's all you need. Then the husband signs off, you're fine. Mina'ish, but if you built, if you bought the property from the husband, then you bought from the wife, bottle, no good. Why? Because we're we're afraid that the wife is just signing off to make her husband happy. The husband doesn't sign off to make the wife happy, but the, the wife the wife might be signing off to make the husband happy. So no good. What do you have to do to make it good? Until you write a star of Achrayis, which is Mamish what Shmuel said. So the Gemara has a kasha. If this price is like Shmuel, isn't that a kasha on Rav? Rav Rav holds that you don't actually have to write a chrayis, which is that there's a lien on your property. You just have to write a star. He says that when the Bryce says a chrayis, it means star. That's what the Bryce means. It means star. Okay. So it's not a kasha either way. It doesn't actually mean a chrayis. It just means star. Fine. Okay. Let's go a little bit weiter. Okay, Okay. Let, let me explain a little bit what you need to know before we start the next Gemara. Generally, there's a concept in Chezkes Habatim called um, called Chezkes um, Shaloshanim, which means that if I buy land from you, right, how long do I have to hold on to the document of sale? Like 20 years later, you can knock on the door and say, hey, where's... Where's the proof that I sold you the land? Allah is no. 
if I stay in the land for three years, undisputed, meaning I'm in that land for three years and you don't give me any hard time, that itself is enough. So that's called Chezka Shalashana. But you also have to be that after three years, I know how I got the land. I'll give you an example. You knock on my door and you say, hey, that's my house. And I'm like, no, you sold it to me. And you're like, well, where's the, where's the document? And I said, I've been here for five years. The halach is, I'm believed. Because I have chazaka three years without dispute. And secondly, I have... Could you want to grab me a tissue? If you have a second, if you could find um, Just, if you don't mind. Thank you. Um, so you have that, I've been there for three years, undisputed. And secondly, I also have a claim to the land, which is, I say, you, you sold it to me. But I'll give you another example. I'm sitting in the land, I knock, you knock on the door, you're like, that's my land. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? How do you get it? I'm like, I don't know. I've been here for five years, but I don't know. That's not good. Chazaka b'leitayna is not a chazaka. So you need chazaka of three years, and you need to be able to explain how you got it. If you just said, I don't know how I got it. I don't know if I'm the owner. I've been here for three years. That, if you verbalize you're a squatter, that's obviously not going to be enough. Okay, so that's what you have to know before. So the Gemara says, and one more thing you have to remember, the Takana of the second part of the Mishnah, thank you very much, the Takana of the second part of the Mishnah was that when you bought from the Sekrikun, you had to give the original owner a quarter of the land. That was sort of a way to purchase the land. Again, this was the second ownership, the second Takana of the Sekrikun. The Mishnah had said that the original, there was the Mishnah Rishona, and then there was the Takana of Rebbe. Rebbe's takana was that if I buy land from the Sekrikun, so I buy land from the guy, yeah. The Mishnah said that if you buy land from the Sekrikun, um, after 12 months, then it's effective. But the halacha is the Mizu Mishnah Rishona. The second rule of the Mishnah was, sorry, just one second, freezing myself. Okay, <clears throat> sorry. The Takana of Rebbe was that if I buy land from the guy, here's what I have to do. In order for it to be legit, after 12 months, I have to give the original owner a quarter of the sales. We'll talk about exactly how to figure out how you figure out the quarter, but you give him a quarter of the sales, and that's considered like purchasing it from the original. Okay, so, says the Gemara, Tan I bought land from the guy. Okay. I, I, okay, the guy sells it to me, Avi. I'm there for three years. I'm sitting there for three years, undisputed, enjoying the land for three years. Then I sell it to someone else. So, guy steals the land from A, sells it to B, B's there for three years, then B sells it to C. The halacha is, the halacha is that the original owner that the land was stolen from cannot claim anything from C, from the second guy who bought it. So again, let's go with the names. A guy steals land from Avram, then the guy sells it to Yitzchak, Yitzchak's there for three years, then Yitzchak sells it to Yaakov, Avram cannot go to Yaakov and claim anything. That's the Gemara says. Meaning, Avram cannot say, I want my land back. That's it. Now let me ask you a question. There's a bit of a, a problem here. Okay? problem is like this. I mentioned to you before that Chazaka three years works if there's a Taina. If there's no Taina, it doesn't work. Meaning, if you could say that I, w- I, bought the, I gave you the quarter, then what do you have to do to make this a valid sale? You have to pay the original owner a quarter of the sale. That's the halacha. So Avram, the original owner, needs to receive a quarter. A quarter of the sale. Again, the case was, it was stolen from Avram, then the guy sells it to Yitzchak, who then is there for three years and sells it to Yaakov. Now, here's the question. Let's analyze Yitzchak for a second. Forget about why it was sold to Yaakov. Let's analyze Yitzchak. Can Yitzchak stay in this land? So the answer is it depends. Yitzchak's there for three years. So already that's a pretty good proof that he's the owner. The question is, when you ask Yitzchak, how did you get the land, does Yitzchak say, I gave you a quarter? If Yitzchak says, I gave you a quarter, he's believed. Because he has the taina, and he has a chazaka. If Yitzchak says, I don't know if I gave you a quarter, I've been here for three years, but I don't know, then that's not a taina, and then he's not believed. 
the question is like this. The case was, the guy sold it to Yitzchak, who was there for three years, and then Yitzchak sold it to Yaakov. The halacha is, the original owner can't go to Yaakov at all. Why do you need Yaakov? Like, why do you need that case? It, it, you're trying to tell me a halacha. The halacha is that you're trying, seemingly, that you're trying to get across, is that if you're there for three years, and you have a taina, it's believed, no taina, it's not believed. Okay, then why do you need that last part of the case? Why can't the halacha just be very simple? Avram, the land stolen from Avram, the guy sells it to Yitzchak, Yitzchak's there for three years, he's believed. Boom. Why does it have to be that Yitzchak had sold it to Yaakov? Why is that necessary? What does that add? If he has a taina, if Yitzchak has a taina, so Yitzchak's believed. If Yitzchak doesn't have a taina, he's not believed. What do I need the Yaakov part? Right? If Yitzchak's believed, then probably Yaakov believed. If Yitzchak's not believed, then Yaakov's not going to be believed. Like, what, what do you need that extended part of the case? The Gemara says, Hey, Chidami. Again, if there's any questions, let me know. The Gemara says, Hey, Chidami. I don't understand. If Yitzchak, the original one who purchased it from the guy, if he has a taina, meaning he says to Avram, I bought it from the guy, but I gave you the quarter. So I have a taina. I know how I got it. I did everything according to Halacha, and I was here for three years. I feel the Nami. Then what do you need Yaakov for? What, what's what's the difference? It, it, Yaakov is just an extension. Yaakov, the second purchaser, is coming as an extension of Yitzchak. If Yitzchak's believed, then Yaakov's believed. If Yitzchak's not believed, then Yaakov's not believed. So what do you need Yaakov for? Meaning, if Yitzchak is giving a taina that he bought, he paid a quarter, then he's believed, then Yaakov's going to believe. If he's not believed, then Yaakov's not believed. What do you need Yaakov for? Tell me the Allah with Yitzchak, and I'll know. Well, what's the what's the what's the chiddush? What's the, what's the why is it necessary to bring Yaakov into the play? So Amr Rav Sheishes la'olam deloika toinle. Really, the case is where the guy is not claiming that he bought it for a quarter. Here's the difference. The difference is like this. We ask the question is, why, do you, why does Yaakov have to be involved? What's the Chiddush of Yaakov? Tell me the halacha with Yitzchak and I'll know. The answer is there's a difference. The difference is as follows. A guy steals land from Avram and sells it to Yitzchak. Yitzchak's there for three years. Avram, the original owner, knocks on the door. The halacha is by Yitzchak. If Yitzchak says, you sold it to me, yeah, I, I, I paid for that quarter, so I'm good to go. I did everything according to halacha, and I've been there for three years, he's believed. If he does not claim that, he's not believed. We don't claim it for him. We don't get involved and say, you probably, no, we're going to listen to the guy. Listen, you said you paid a quarter, we believe you. You didn't say you paid a quarter, we don't believe you. I don't care how long you've been there for. Yaakov is a chiddush. When Yitzchak sells it to Yaakov, the halacha is, even if Yaakov does not claim that the quarter was paid to the original owner, we claim it for him. Meaning, so when the original owner goes to Yaakov and says, that's my land, and Yaakov says, what are you talking about? I, I bought it from Yitzchak. Even if he then does not say, and Yitzchak paid you a quarter, even if he does not make that taina, we make that taina for him. Meaning we assume that Yaakov would not have purchased it from Yitzchak if Yitzchak had not already paid him a quarter. See, but the original one who bought it from the guy, we're not going to get involved. You say the right thing, you're believed. You don't say the right thing, you're not believed. Yaakov, because a person would not spend that much money buying it from another Jew if there was no way to know that it was done correct, we'll make a taina for him. So that's the Chiddush of Yaakov. The Chiddush of Yaakov is, the second buyer, is that we'll get involved for him, even if he does not claim that, that Yitzchak paid Avram, the original owner, a quarter, we'll claim it for him. That's the Chiddush. And that's the difference between Yitzchak and, uh, and Yaakov. Yitzchak we will not, Yaakov we will. That's the difference. Okay. Now, a couple more halachas, it's not, not too bad. Now, what, one more thing you have to know. This Sikrikun, there's a certain, um, if you actually think about it, there's like a certain leniency, if you think about it, right? The case of the Sikrikun is, a guy comes, steals someone's land. Now again, the case of the Sikrikun, just to clarify, is that it was at a threat of death. The guy said, I'll either kill you or give me the land. Okay, So the Jew... The Jew obviously lets him take the land. The guy then sells it to Yitzchak. Okay, the halach is Yitzchak pays a quarter and he gets to keep the land. Like that's a big leniency. Like we don't make him return the land. We allow him to keep the land as long as he pays a quarter. Says the Gemara, Tan Rabban Haba Mach That's only true if a guy stole the land 
with a threat of death, but if the guy just sees land because he says it was owed to him, or Machmas on Paros, or he's Stamaganif, not that he would actually kill the guy, but just Stam, you know. He, he beat up the guy and he moved in. There's no such thing as Sikrikun, meaning, the way Rashi explains is very interesting. Rashi says that part of the reason why we allow, in the case of Sikrikun, Yitzchak to keep the land is because when the Sikrikun threatened Avram's life and took the land, part of Avram really did give it up. Meaning, it sounds like a crazy thing, but you have two different Goyim that take land from Avram. One is a Sikrikun, so it's a threat of death, and one is just, uh, you owe me money, or he beats him up, but there's no threat of death. The guy's just like a squatter, just an annoying squatter. The halacha is that when the guy is a Sikrikun, the reason why we're more lenient, and we say that it's a transfer of ownership, and when the Sikrikun sells it, the guy just pays a quarter and keeps it, is because when a Jew is threatened with death, he actually does mean, like, yeah, take the land. Like, he actually means it. Now, obviously, it's under duress, but he actually means take the land. Like, he knows he's not going to get back, and he's kind of cool with it, because at least, like, from his perspective, he's saving his life. The guy just comes in in a squatter and just punches him in the face and runs into the house and locks the door. That's b'chlam nothing. So says the Gemara, on Paros, is not a, a, a sekrikun. On Paros, you have to return the land. So if, if that guy steals my land, not with threat of death, just steals my land, stop and then sells it to Yitzchak, whatever. Yitzchak can't just pay a quarter and get it back. He's got to return the entire land. There's no sekrikun by Anparos. There's no sekrikun when there's no threat of death. Says the Gemara of Anparos Atzma, and if you buy land from someone who stole it from you without threat of death, you have to wait 12 months. But wait a minute, you just got finished telling me that there's no, that the halachas don't apply. Right? Sekrikun has this 12-month thing. Anparos doesn't have the halachas at all. So you said Anparos... It's not a, it's not a good sale at all, and then the mission, then the Bryce immediately said, but Amparos applies after twelve months. I thought there's no such thing as Amparos. I thought Amparos is irrelevant. So the Gemara says, What it means is like this: if if an Amparos breaks into your house without a threat of death and steals your land and sells it, it's not a valid sale. I don't care what the guy gives you a quarter or not; it's not a valid sale ever. Sekrikun it is. But only after 12 months. So if you give the original owner 12 months to buy it back, and then he doesn't, and then the Sikrikun sells it, you could give a quarter and you can get away with it. Okay? That's the halacha. So Sikrikun also needs 12 months. Before 12 months, it's not a valid sale yet. Fine. Amr of Yosef. Naktinan, we said Anparos is someone stealing land, not with a threat of death, just stealing land. And we said that it's not a valid uh, transfer of ownership in any form. And if you buy it from that person, you're going to have to return the land. Amr of Yosef, Naktinan, we have a tradition, Ein Anparos Babavel. There's no such thing as Anparos Babavel. So the, the way the Gemara understands it right now is it means they didn't steal land in Babel. Not that there's no halachic on Paros, it means it never happened. So Gemara says, Haka Chazin We see it happens all the time, apparently. Unfortunately, they steal land in Babel. What it means is the laws of Anparos do not imply in Babel. Meaning, why is Anparos. Amparos is not a valid transfer of ownership. Why? A guy breaks into my house without a threat of death and steals my land. That's nothing. But says the Gemara, in Babel it is. Why? Meaning, in Bavel, a guy steals my land without a threat of death. John steals my land, and then John, the guy, sells it to Reuven. That is a good sale. I thought Amparos is not a good sale. In Bavel it is. Why? Says the Gemara, The reason is because in Bavel they had a judicial system. Because there's a judicial system and you didn't take him to court, that itself you were like Michael. Meaning, I mentioned that Sukrik and the reason why it works is because when the guy takes it, the threat of death, there's a part of you that's actually like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to give up the land. I don't want to die. I'm willing to give up the land. On Paros, where the guy just steals my land without any any threat of death, just stop stealing my land, that's nothing. So if a guy steals my land without a threat of death and sells it, that's not a valid sale. But says in Bavel, it is. Why? Because in Bavel, you could have taken that guy to court, and you didn't. In other areas, by the... Mongol, Mongolians, there's no the judicial system. The guy just took my land. The woman says to do with it. It's not a valid sale, but there's nothing I could do. It's not like I'm Michael. 
by Bovel, because they had a judicial system, the fact that I didn't take that guy to court, that itself is act of mechila, and therefore when the guy sells it to someone else, that's a valid sale. Okay, two more sugyas. Um, the Gemara brings in completely, it's, it's very agavdik, this story. The only reason why it comes up is because you see by the Sikrikun that we sort of protect, we're sort of protecting um, the Sikrikun and the buyers, if you think about it, right? The guy steals my land, threat of death, and then sells it to John, sells it to Yitzchak. As long as Yitzchak gives Avram, the original owner, a quarter, it's fine. Like, we're sort of protecting the Sikrikun, and we're sort of protecting the buyer from the Sikrikun. Again, Chazal felt that it was necessary because there was threat of death, but the Gemara brings down a complete story, which is like, it's not really related, but you'll see why it's brought down. Let me explain what used to happen in the times of the Gemara. Um, the, The government would put like a tax on locations. So, let's say... 75th Road, that's where I live. 75th Road would have to give a tax every year. So each house would give a percentage of the tax. Now, let's say one person's like, I'm not paying taxes. Well, they're still collecting it from 75th Road. So each member of the street was like a partner. And if they don't pay taxes, I'm going to have to pay taxes. So every member of the city would pay taxes. Because they know that if they don't pay, someone else is going to have to pay for them. It's not like it's not like uh, if you don't pay taxes, you get punished. If you don't pay taxes, the entire city gets punished. So what happened is, what if there's someone, and each person would man would would take the land, would take care of the land, and pay taxes from the land. Now, what if one guy is going away for a, a year, right? You can't just let his land sit, you know, not taken care of, because that hurts the whole street. So what they would do is. So let's say I'm going away for a year. They would give my land to Menasha and say, Menasha, manage his land, pay the taxes off his land, and you get to use the land. Because they had to. This happened. What happened was this person went away. Some person went away for a while. Supposed to be for a couple of years. And they gave his land to Gidlbal Re'iloi. And Gidlbal Re'iloi was supposed to pay taxes out of his own pocket, and as a reward, he gets to manage the land. But he was in charge of managing the managing the estate. Gidlbar Eloi accepted land from the city of from uh, from the from the residents of a valley, in exchange that he would pay taxes. So he's given the land. So let's say the tax is ten thousand dollars. So they say, listen, you're going to give taxes ten thousand dollars. If you do it, you get to keep the land. Okay, until the owner gets back. But what Gidlbar Eloi was very strange. Instead of paying $10,000 per year, he decided, I'm going to pay 30000 now and just not have to worry about taxes for three years. Okay? He did that. After one year, the original owners come back and say, we'd like our land back. You managed it for a year. Thank you very much. It's our land. We'd like to manage it now. You were just using it as like a babysitter. Gidlbar Eloi says, okay, but I paid... Ahead, I paid head tax $20,000 extra. I'd like my money back. You have to remember one more thing. The Romans, or whoever were in charge, did not say, well, you pay in advance, so we're good. Anytime the ownership changed, they erased the previous um, like ledger. So Gidlbar Eloy was the interim owner. He paid $30,000 in taxes. Now, from his perspective, he was going to keep it for three years, $10,000 per year. He's good for a couple of years, doesn't have to worry about it. Now the original owners come over, they take it over. From the Romans' perspective, Gidlbar Eloy, it's gone. New ownership, new tax per year. So the, he basically gave $20,000 and it's, it put, it's gone. It's not going to help him because he's not the owner anymore. It's not going to help the, 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 the original owners because the Romans don't do that. So basically, he wants his money back, but they don't want to pay it. You understand? That's the case. So Gidabar Eloi, Kabbalah, Betaxim, Debaga, Gidabar Eloi accepted land with, uh, that he would pay the taxes of the land and get to use the land. Aktiv Yavizuzitzlashnin. He prepaid tax for three years. Even though he only had to pay for one, he paid for three years. Lesaif Asam Ravasa Kamoi. The original owner came back. The original owner wanted the land back. Fine. And once the, once the original owners came back, the Romans erased everything Gidabar Eloi did. So basically, next year, the owners have to pay taxes again. 
It doesn't work like, you know, you're paying in advance. It doesn't work if it's a different owner. So Amrulay, they said to Giddel, Shata We appreciate the first year, and that will pay for. But but we'd like our land back. And we're not paying for the two years that you paid extra that you prepaid. I'm not we're not paying for that. Also come to Rav Papa. So they asked Rav Papa what what's the halacha? Savar the mikhtav leitirfa b'nei boga. So Rav Papa originally thought that gidel should be paid, that the owner should have to pay gidel for the two years that he prepaid the taxes. So Amr le Rav Huna b'nei Rav Yishu Rav Papa. Rav Huna b'nei Rav Yishu says Rav Papa. Imkain asis the sekrikin. You're treating gidel like the sekrikin. The same way the sekrikin are protected, basically, you're protecting this gidel. He prepaid taxes, which he didn't have to do. The prepaying taxes doesn't help the original owners because once Giddel removes his ownership, they have to pay taxes next year. He didn't have to do this. They didn't ask for him to do this. It's not helping them. So why should they have to pay? Rather, the pshad is he put his money on the corner uh, on the horn of a, of, of, of a deer. Meaning, he threw his money away. He flushed it down the toilet. He shouldn't have done it. If he was going to be there for three years, it might have made sense, but he wasn't, and he lost his money. And no one has to pay him, and he lost out on two years of taxes. Okay. Just to finish up the Gemara, I'm going to do this fairly quickly, um, because it's getting late. The Gemara basically wants to know, when it says that you pay a quarter, the the basic premise of why you pay money to the original owner when you buy it from the Sekrikun is that Besides for that, the original owner should get something. The reason why they picked a quarter is because the Sakrikun would always pay. They would sell the land at a discount. Because think about it. The Sakrikun just steal the land. So if the land is worth $100 or $100,000, they're not selling it for $100,000 because they just want quick cash. They stole it, so it cost nothing. So they would always sell it at a discount, at a quarter discount generally. You're paying that quarter. So let's say instead of 100000 you bought it for 75000 according to one opinion. So you lost, you, you, you received, you, you, you sort of, you, you're saving a discount of a quarter. That quarter you give to the original owners. So that the original owners get money. You don't make any money off this transaction. So it's not like you're getting a deal. And everyone's sort of happy. So it says the Gemara, Amirav, Revia Bekarka Revia Bemois. Rav's opinion is that you pay a quarter either a quarter in cash or a quarter in land, but the quarter is a quarter of the purchase price. So it's not a quarter of the value of the land, it's a quarter of a purchase price. So I'll give you an example. Let's say the land is worth five, the land is worth five dollars, okay? The Secrecan would sell it for four, because they sell it at a 20% discount, according to Rav. You pay a quarter of the price. You're not paying a quarter of... The actual land is worth five. You're not paying a quarter of five. You're paying a quarter of what you paid for. So they, it's worth five. They sold it for four. So you're making... There's one dollar that the owner is not making. You sell a quarter. You give a quarter of the price that you paid. So a quarter of four is one. You give one to the owner. So they would sell it at 20% discount. So that's why we're picking easy numbers. So it's $100,000 value of a land. You don't have to give 25000 That's a quarter of the value of land. You don't have to do that. They would sell it to the Jew for 80000 at a 20% discount. You bought it for eighty. You give a quarter of what you paid for, which is 20000 So you paid 80000 You give twenty to the original owner. The land is valued at 100000 Boom. There's the math. So they would sell it at 20% discount, and you would pay a quarter of what you paid for to the original owner. That's Rav's take. Shmuel says no. Shmuel says no. You pay a quarter means a quarter of the total value of the land. Because according to Rav, according to Rav, the Sakrika would sell it at they would sell it at a 20% discount. According to Shmuel, they would sell it at a 25% discount. So if it's worth hundred thousand dollars, they would sell it for seventy-five. And you give twenty-five and give it to the original owner. So it's either they would sell it at a they would sell if you had a land that was worth a hundred thousand, so Machalikas Rav and Shmuel would the Sakrika sell it for 80 or for 75 if they would sell it for 80 then you give 20 if they would sell for 75 you give 25 that's the math one says that they would sell it for uh, a fifth less and one says they sell it for 25% less now I'll, I'll just finish up the Gemara the Gemara is going to bring a Brisa that says they're a quarter which implies that they would sell it at 25% discount which sounds like Shmuel and the Gemara is always going to get out of it because 
even, even though it's a quarter, it could be a quarter of the 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 buyer's price, not the land's value. Yeah, Michael, you good? So, <laughs> I have nightmares just thinking about that because I'm not a math guy that says off. I was thinking about that, but I think this is more practical. That's more halachic. I think this is more practical. Did they sell it at a 20% discount or a 25% discount? When you say, because so, that, that would affect how much you give. If they sold it at 25% discount, then you give 25%. If they sold it at 20% discount, you're giving 20%, which is a quarter of what you paid. So I, I think it's more of a practical thing. But it's a good point, though. So that, that's the Gemara Shaila. Is it 25% of the asking price or 25% of the value of the land? So Mesve, I have a kasha, we'll end with this. The Braisa backs up Shmuel seemingly. Because again, Shmuel says that they would pay a quarter for the actual land of the value. The Braisa says, Zumishna Rishona, Bezin Shalchreim Amru. The later Bezin said regarding the Sakriku and Halokechman, the Sakriku knows the Bailam Revia. If you buy the Sakriku, you give, you give the original owner a quarter. Biyad Bailam El and the original owners get to choose. They get to choose how they get paid, either in land or in money. It's up to them. Amos, when is this true? It's only true when the original owner does not have the means to buy the land himself. When they're able to buy the land themselves, they have Kadima. You're not to buy the land, they have the rights of first refusal. And Rabbi Hoshev Bezdin and Rabbi Sadabezdin. The Nimnu and decided Shem Shasim Nesakrik and Shemus Achodesh that if Sakrik can have land for twelve months, Kolakodon Likasacha, anyone could buy it. Alvanosan Bailam Revia, but Karka Revia must. But you have to give a quarter. All this quarter sounds like Shmuel because Shmuel says you're giving a quarter of the land. So it sounds like Shmuel. The Gemara responds very simply. I'm Ravashi Kitania Hilachashabal Masliyada. Ravashi says it could work according to Rav. Rav also believes it's a quarter. It's just a quarter of what you paid. Shmuel says it's a quarter of the value. The Bryce says a quarter, so doesn't that sound like Shmuel that it's a quarter of the value? It says no, it could be Rav, and it's a quarter of what you paid for. So there's really no, there's no proof. You can, you can get out of it if you need to. All right, we'll stop here, and we'll pick it up. Um, we'll pick it up tomorrow. Pleasure, pleasure. Have a good day, guys.